And now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Good morning, Black Firehouse uh, listeners. This is Dan, as always, with his co-host, Austin Young. Welcome you guys back to Session 6, Part 2 of our three-part series about Ghostbusters Proton Packs. Austin, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing all right. I got some progress made on my props, so that's always good. Excellent. Yeah, and, and hopefully we're having some progress with the... Uh, with the podcast, so kind of bringing everybody up to speed. This has been kind of a cursed couple weeks on my side, and it seems like it's all down to my computer and a a really piss-poor wireless connection between my laptop and our Verizon router. So um, we are having to re-record this session, and then we will have to (laughs) re-record the roundtable. So it is Monday night on the 21st, and we're re-recording this content for release for you guys Tuesday morning. So uh, I hope you all appreciate what we do, because we definitely appreciate our listeners. And we're tired of living in Groundhog Day. <laughs> I am super tired of living in Groundhog Day. Um, so l- let's see, Austin. We, we have a couple things to catch up on. Let's go ahead and touch on one of the coolest parts i think um is you finally got around to getting your copy of the ghostbusters ultimate collection correct yes yeah so that is a uh i i don't know if i would say that it is a prop builders uh dream kit but as a ghostbusters fan it is super cool and it also gives us some really um cool insight that we may not have seen before, especially with that preview cut. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, It's, it's crazy because it's, it's uh, an alternate dimensions version of Ghostbusters. (laughs) It really, (laughs) it really is. Um, I mean, it's, it's the same movie, but different. It's just, it's, uh, there's no other way to describe it. Um, it. it's kind of like the difference between growing up and watching Ghostbusters on um, on just the pan and scan, you know, the original VHS, and yeah. then in the late 90s when they finally came out with a letterbox edition. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for, for someone like you and I, I had never seen it in theaters until the late 90s, and when I did... I, I didn't want to see the movie anymore because there was so much that were on the sidebars that I felt like I was missing. And now with the preview cut, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm like counting down the time until somebody finally uh, goes ahead and puts together, you know, a ultimate fan cut of all that lost footage. Oh, I'm, you know, it's coming like somebody is out there slaving away at their computer right now trying to restore the footage as best they can. And uh you know, uh, insert audio and music and and special effects and all that jazz. And I'm sure somebody's, you know, they're trying to work in every possible piece of deleted footage that they can possibly get their hands on. It's Dave and, Ann. 
We all know it is. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, <laughs> um, and I'm all for it, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in, in like fan edits and fan cuts of things that are, mm-hmm. you know, trying to give us something that could have been right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you watch the preview cut, did you mentally add in music and, and things like that? I did. Yeah. No, it's really weird because like on any given day at any point, you know, I'm playing Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2 in my head and I hear the music cues and the special effects and whatever. But there was something so just bizarre about seeing this version of the movie that like it, yeah, I'm it's it's literally like watching the movie again for the first time. So I'm just paying attention, you know, Um, I'm taking it all in and. And, you know, the thing that I really caught myself doing more than anything is um, noticing, you know, obviously people like us who have seen the movie an ungodly amount of times, we know, okay, that take is what's in the movie. Right. That takes an alternate take. But it was really interesting for me to sit down and see, you know, something people don't really realize is a lot of the audio from the theatrical cut is from all, from different angles of the same scene. Yes. From a wide from a wide shot, you know, that that audio is laid over a close up of another character, you know, an insert shot or something. And so I noticed a lot of that sort of stuff, which was it, it was fun to see kind of the the raw footage, so to speak, of, you know, where those audio clips come from. Now, and I I would agree with you. I I especially noticed the input of audio when they're running away from the library. Yeah. Um <laughs> and they added in Venkman's line of, you know, we'll get back to you. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, how about from a prop standpoint? Was there anything new or exciting that you saw in in the Ultimate Collector's Edition that you hadn't seen before prop-wise? Um, not really, other than, you know, especially not really in the preview cut. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's that infamous black and white still photo that's of uh ray coming up out of that stairwell holding the what what is the yellow bar trap Mm -hmm. and you know vankman's off to the side kind of looking grossed out and i'm assuming their client or whoever is on the other side of the frame and that footage is in the movie but it's in black and white and i was for a split second when i saw that footage extended i got all excited thinking oh we we finally got new new angles and and new <laughs> shots of the yellow rod trap and you know and it's all in black and white i was like oh, well okay <laughs> well I we guess. tried and and, it, and it's like beta quality you know so it really wouldn't have mattered anyway i guess but um, i was uh one of my white whales actually made an additional appearance and i was so excited about that which was the it, the base portion of the proton charger tower. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Yeah, I, I I've forgotten about that, but that that does show I, up in, in this version. I cannot of forget about that, <laughs> and I'm still I'm still so set aside at how complex a prop that they that they built that gets almost no screen time, um, and if not no screen time, then almost no relevance to the movie whatsoever for for yeah. a piece that used to play such it looks like a larger part at least in the montage well i mean and you know there's that throwaway line you think of vankman saying oh you know we're gonna charge you for proton charging mm-hmm. and you know maybe it was ad-libbed um 
maybe it was in the script. I don't really remember. I'm sure somebody will will know and we're just screaming at the podcast right now about it. But um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You know, knowing that there's there is a there's a proton charger prop. Yes. You know that's that's what it's there for, and it is a real thing that they had to do. <laughs> and I just, it's so cool that that it can add that little extra bit of context. I yeah, the the little bit of context and just seeing how it operates how it glows which i thought was yeah. cool i don't know if that was an overlay or if that was lighting it's it's really difficult to ascertain from the photos that we have in just that little bit of footage if you know the that gold box is itself the element that's glowing so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm definitely gonna have to go back through take some additional you know screenshots and um analyze that and then struggle over ever finding whatever part that is <laughs> that and and the casing itself i you know i i dived back into trying to find the casing again um and i the the case that it sits in it's like one of those words that's sitting on the tip of your tongue where you feel like you know exactly what it is but you can't quite find it um, yeah I, I mean i've gone and down that rabbit hole and and tried to research and find it and you know it's just it it's such a specific thing yet it's so generic at the same time it is it is and then it gets into the the weird and you know intricate details like what looks like a volume monitor mm-hmm. embedded into the frame itself or then it kind of looks like it might be two units stacked on top of each other um and then it looks like it might have some rolling trays that come out of it but then there's the bizarre x frame that's around it which is not you know it's not plumb to every other angle so it just it's it's one of those props that it gets weirder the longer mm-hmm. you look at it i mean it's it's clearly just cobbled together i mean it's yeah it's definitely just cobbled together junk but i want to know what junk it is yeah um that's, you know, the... that's going to be one of those one of those things that you know at least you and i are probably going to be researching for the next 20 years until you know we're in our 50s and finally <laughs> we we've we've figured it all out we'll, we'll actually find the unit over at apex electronics as it was in 83 and i'll be like oh finally i'll buy they that rented it out <laughs> well oh, that's the other thing million it could have been a rented piece yeah i mean that's true who knows man we gotta find somebody that that knows. Somebody's out there. Has I, got I feel like I feel like our sources are going to continue to get more and more limited. Um, yeah. So then we have the unfortunate news, which is uh, Ivan Reitman has passed. Um, yeah. And that that of course is an enormous enormous impact to the Ghostbusters community. Um, you know. Dan Aykroyd has always been the vocal outside champion for Ghostbusters, yeah. but it, it seems like Ivan was always the studio champion. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, and we've lost that. Yeah. How, uh, it, how has, you know, how, what were your, your first reactions to the passing of Mr. Reitman? You know, it, right off the bat, it's like, no, no way. This is wrong. This is yeah. this is fake. Like, you know, I was just watching YouTube and hadn't really looked at my phone, and I picked it up, 
and uh there was this like a group discord thing that i'm in mm -hmm. and somebody had posted the link you know they're like hey we lost ivan and i was just yeah you just i just didn't believe it at first and then so immediately i go to google and it's like it's all over the place and i'm just like fuck it was dumbfounded like it especially considering everything we've just had everything we've just gone yeah. through and and the success and and just everything involving ghostbusters afterlife has been so great and it's been such a positive thing and this is like a really weird way to cap that off uh, it, unfortunate it almost, way to cap that off it almost it's, feels like charles schultz when he retired yeah you know when when charles schultz retired he he passed away almost immediately when he stopped writing peanuts and then with ivan reitman it's like ghostbusters afterlife you know even though it was directed by his son his fingerprints are all over it oh yeah now, i mean and i it's not really a theory it's just something i you know uh, ivan probably he co he co-directed that movie <laughs> He could have directed that movie. He could have. He co-directed it with. Jason oh, he co-directed it. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. He co-directed it. There was. There was yeah. a lot of. Well, in the behind-the-scenes stuff, Jason. You know, he made no um, illusion about mm -hmm. that, and that he was seeking a lot of active on-site approval from his father, which I thought that was great. Yeah. Well, and, and it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that, like, you know he's secretly directing and, and all that. Like Jason, of course is a fantastic director, but it, well, it's, well, it has it, Jason it, in it. I mean, like he is clearly oh, yeah. the primary director, but I, I know what you're talking about. I definitely it, see what you're talking it, about. It's, it was definitely a, a collaborative thing. I, I sure. feel like, and, and it's, you know, it's like you're saying it, it's almost, it's a little eerie. It's a little spooky. Mm-hmm. The way it works out, but at the same time, it's so great that he he got to hang around to see this movie come to be. He got yeah. to have that experience with his son, you know, uh, being on set, seeing the movie come to life, seeing the finished film, seeing the reaction it got, all the success. It's not a it's not a bad way to go out, you know. No, it's not a bad note to go out on. He's going out on on a definite high with a definite concise respect to his yeah. legacy. You know, it it's not like he just helmed a, a kindergarten a kindergarten cop remake, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> yeah. was poorly received. The Ghostbusters Afterlife was definitely, you know, something that was incredibly well received by um most fans. Yeah. And of course, you know, we owe so much to Ivan for, for essentially directing our childhood. Um, yeah. Know, even outside of Ghostbusters, but, you know, he directed Ghostbusters 1 and 2. And and that's where our obsession starts. You know, the, this podcast would not exist. Yeah, I Ivan mean, you and I wouldn't ever have been friends. Like, no, you know, I mentioned this in our last recording, but like, the majority of my friends I wouldn't have you know the, the majority all, all the, of my experiences yeah that, that's what i was about to say is like all of these amazing experiences that i've got to have in my lifetime mm -hmm. i mean it's all because of you know these these dumb movies dude yeah <laughs> it's you know it's crazy and 
It is crazy. So I'll 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 cap that off with saying from from the Black Firehouse podcast from from myself and Austin to the the entire Reitman family, we are heartbroken at your loss. Um, and you know we are absolutely uh, thoughts and hearts and minds with you during your your time of mourning, and uh, but hope that you'll be able to come back and see that we're still here to support Ivan's legacy yeah. and we will continue to do so. hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, so in, in a little bit more lighthearted news, we are soon going to be launching a new segment of the black firehouse podcast. Austin, do you remember me talking to you about this? Uh, I do. Cause we've talked about it like 30 times every time we try to record every this time we, <laughs> as we struggle to crawl our way out of our own personal groundhog's day hell. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we are launching a a new segment. Um, it's not going to be during the roundtable show. It's going to be in the show after that. Um, so that will be session eight that it launches. But we're essentially going to be starting to discuss some of our favorite prop builds, either in process or completed, from the from the entire Ghostbusters community. And I'm I'm particularly excited about this. Uh, because we are not just sticking to Spangler's 1984 workbench. We're going to be looking at anything that's exciting to us uh, from across the entire Ghostbusters community. So, you know, if it's the RTV Builders Club, or if it is um, 3D printed Ghostbuster props, or even the spirit groups, we're going to be going out there and looking for builds that are exciting to us, that we're excited about, and that we're excited to see finished. Um, we haven't gotten a name for that segment yet, but we will, we will come up with one. Maybe, I don't know, uh, you've earned it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll we'll change it every episode. Yeah. There you go. We could always do that as well. Um, but that, that's going to be something coming up in the future of the Black Firehouse podcast. And then, um, I have a little bit of a secret project, Austin, that I haven't even told you about that I'm very, very excited about. Um, and this one I'm going to keep close to my chest. It's uh, not necessarily prop related, but it is the Black Firehouse podcast related. And it is a partnership with Tony Taylor Toys. He's going to print us our own firehouse, like full, full scale, full scale, translucent resin firehouse. Nope, that's not what it is. Oh, okay. But that's 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 all I'm going to leave you with. That's okay. uh, that is the most that you get. But it will be an exclusive. It will be a thank you gift to many of our our friends and inspirations. Um, and I think you will be very very happy with it. So from there, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. We we all love Tony Taylor. So we do. He it's does be fun. He does amazing work. So Definitely. from that, let's let's get into what's on our workbench. You ready, Austin? I am ready as ever. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton peg is not a toy. I guess that's right. All right, and welcome back to the Black Firehouse podcast. Again, with Austin and your host, Stan, we are talking about what's on our workbench. Austin, for the billionth time that nobody has heard in the past <laughs> two weeks, <laughs> what is on your workbench, bud? Um. Well... I'm still working on a Phoebe pack 
and uh, I still have my uh, Phoebe bunt cake potato masher props, whatever they are, mm-hmm. um, which I I believe we talked about on the last episode that actually got released. I had ordered <laughs> the parts from Amazon, and I kind of I got them in, and I kind of tinkered around with them and kind of uh, mocked up the final layout and parts and stuff for them, and I just had to find the tripods. Um, Still working on those tripods, huh? I haven't actually got since since I talked about these originally. I haven't even really gone back to look for the right tripods. I may have to just buy something kind of a little more generic, a stand-ins, until I can figure out what the real ones are. But that's basically all that's left on those is I need tripods, and then I can just mount them, and then boom, I've got these weird ass background props that nobody else cares about. (laughs) (laughs) I care. I care about them. There, I, I think. I think why I love them is because they're very much in the spirit of, you know, the original props. Like, you know, sure. the KUD meter, of course, is built with a, a metal detector and some kitchen utensils, and and uh, the colander helmet, right? Like iconic mm-hmm. Ghostbusters prop, and these fit right in with that kind of just homebrew, you know, use whatever's laying around kind of aesthetic, and. um I think that's what just kind of drew them to me is because they just they fit right in. I always love there there is a a definite aesthetic to Ghostbusters props, um, yeah. especially the background props of it's it's almost like kit bashing on a massive scale. Yeah, well, even even the the tripod traps, yeah, feel like they look like they're you know maybe some kind of custom made thing, but then. I mean, like the props themselves, they are just, they're kit bashed from a bunch of random stuff, you know? And the more and you start to And it's always rare them, and hard to find stuff. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I remember <laughs> when it, when it was finally like figured out that there was like, what was a V ring meter or whatever, like yeah. the main body. I immediately mm-hmm. went to eBay and there was one on eBay and it was like $900. Yeah. And I, I was I like, know. I'm 15 years old. I don't have $900 <laughs> to buy this. I, I know still being super jealous of uh, Ben King. He actually owns a V-ring meter. Does he? He does. And uh, I, I've tried. I, I hear that, that tone in your voice. Don't don't. Okay, hold on. That no, I don't even... Hold on, Ben. Ben, I'm speaking to you personally right now. I, I, do, <laughs> not, I do not want to purchase the V-ring meter from you, but I would love to maybe borrow the V-ring meter from you. Um, I would like to take some measurements. And, well, uh, if you want measurements, why haven't you reached out to our other buddy? Well, it's not. I want more than measurements. I want to mold it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? You know what? Ben is such a friendly guy. That that could be a possibility. That might be something that we have to look into because I would be interested in and backing up a project like that of if, uh, if cast ben, if the V-ring meter. If you're listening, Ben, you know, help 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 a brother out. Let's do this. Let's make Ben, this your happen future because... as a moderator on Spengler's 1984 workbench relies <laughs> on that's 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 a total lie. Ben is excellent. He's excellent people, but yeah. we'll we'll have to look into that because that could be a really exciting project. Um, I, I I did not know that he owned one of those because if I had known, I would have bugged him about this a long time ago. Well, now everybody who listens to the podcast is wrenching, reaching out to poor Ben and being like, 
Take my money for your V-ring meter. <laughs> Hang on, this podcast isn't posted yet as of this recording, so I still got some some time to get get a hold of it from. <laughs> get in line, boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm currently being uh, tortured by Freaky Geeky. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So he is back in production, which I am super super excited about. I am. Really, really happy to see RJ back in his workshop working on his his stuff. And he's producing um, even more accurate throwers than he has before. Yeah, I've been seeing his his progress pictures he's posting. It's pretty, pretty, it's just awesome to see that stuff, you know. It is, but it it is uh, come to my attention that his newest iteration of his thrower the ones that he's been posting pictures of um one may or may not be destined to to be purchased by me but the accuracy on them is pretty paramount and i have been getting my arm twisted by my buddy julian uh to make that into my ghostbusters one superhero thrower which pisses me off to no end because i am almost (laughs) done with that Ghostbusters one superhero thrower, like the the entire thing is all wired up. All it's missing is the bar graph and uh, the the grill piece, and then I was going to seal it up, and it was done. And I was so happy about that because then all I would have to do is plug it into the pack when I remake that. the The, the superhero project has been horrendous because, of course, I want it to be my top of the line, my cherry pack, the one that maybe I'll wear out once or twice. But yeah. it's mostly going to be on the wall. Um, so, you know, at first it was, well, I got my my Chris Boss shell. And this is the best shell available. Okay, I'm almost done with it. And then Max Factory is like, oh, well, we're releasing, you know, casting, legacy castings off of the superhero shell. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. Okay. Um, so then <laughs> Julian's like, Hey, I've been helping RJ on redesigning, you know, the wands. So his next generation of wands will be even more accurate. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm not even ever going to have a finished proton pack. It's just going to be multiple iterations of what may have been the most accurate piece. And it's then it per- completely, it, it's perpetually in progress. It's perpetually in progress. Well, the, the frustrating thing is, is I have a real heat sink. On this current thrower, that's oh, easily removed, though. There's there's a little bit of of epoxy putty involved there. It's fine. You can get it off. <laughs> I could. I can. It's you it's will. Just, I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Julian already had me thinking about it. I was like, all right, well, what pieces can I easily get back off there? Because you know, I just got the clipper hose on there. Um, which I was happy about because the the rear instrument bar clipper hose is actually off my first movie pack that I ever built. Um, that you know it's it's Mark One throwing chicken thrower met a grizzly shattered end, um, but the hose was vintage green clipper hosing. Very nice. Um, so I can well, pull that off of it. I can pull off the vintage hat lights. Um, now, do you have but then the electronics? Like, I don't. I don't know what to do with the electronics. I mean, yeah, because I mean, they're, they're pretty, such a they're, they're such a son of a well bitch to get in there. They are, and uh, and you know when you wire up that that front 
and flash bulb and everything mm. then gets heat shrank in. I mean, it's really weaved in there. I would have to cut that heat shrink off and then somehow not cut all those super thin gauged wires. Yeah, it's uh, it's an absolute nightmare to to think of. Uh, but that but, I that, mean, first world problems, right? I mean, definitely <laughs> Ghostbusters <laughs> prop enthusiast first world problems. I mean, these yeah. aren't even standard first world problems. They are high end obsessive compulsive nerd problems like oh i'm sorry yes. that your really expensive toy <laughs> might need to be a little bit better <laughs> yeah i mean um, there's always the option you could just uh you know pick off the the real parts you want to keep and replace them with replicas or whatever and then just sell the whole thing with the electronics and well get some uh, more my, electronics my plan was always to do a ghostbusters 2 superhero mm-hmm to go along with it. And, and so technically what could end up happening is I'm, I'm hoping rabid prototypes will go back into production. He's having um, issues in getting uh, a lot of his stuff in right now, just because of, you know, the way the world is, but if yeah. he's able to go back into production and offer his kits again, I'd like to get one more. Um, and then I would like to use, you know, ghostbuster fans on other kits or custom things. Yeah. Um, but if I can get another rabbit prototypes kit, then I won't have much of an issue. It will it will be a lot easier for me to go ahead and pry off the heat sink, take out the vintage hat lights, because then I can just redo everything. Now, you do know, you have the, a vintage, uh, like opaque orange hat lights? Uh, I have one. Okay. And I specifically put that on the gunnier. Yeah. Um, so that they, I have, I have one nickel plated insert, um, milky white then the other four or five that i have have the copper insert instead of the nickel plated so i wanted the nickel plated on on my ghostbusters one superhero and then i have one opaque orange vintage hat light um but even that one being vintage i still don't think it's old enough because the color just it, it seems a lot closer to a modern unit than what we see in the yeah. film and what we see on the prop right now yeah, because I've got a bunch of orange ones, but they're the they're not the opaque ones. And, they're the translucent uh, ones. Yeah, which and which I are mean, cool. Yeah, and they'll you know, they'll work for you know, like uh, idealized builds and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll probably never use them because AJ sells those really awesome opaque his replicas. replicas. Are gorgeous. So yeah, yeah, yeah. His replicas are gorgeous. I I have probably. 10 of each of his replicas that I ordered right off the bat before they vanished for potential pack builds or just giving to people. Cause you know, every once yeah. in a while, some people are like, Hey, I really want this part. I'm thinking about 3d printing it. Well, here's this excellent replica. <laughs> I have plenty. Don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> I need to, I need to take a, a page out of your book and just start ordering stuff. Like when it's available, because uh... I just recently found out that the white foam for the Alice frame is like discontinued and AJ is sold out. And when he first stocked it, I was like, Oh, that stuff, it'll be around forever. I'll I'll grab some at some point, you know, when I'm ready to do my, my GB one hero build. And now it's like, Oh, well now I can't get it. You're not thinking how ghostbuster props are, which is the moment we identify something. If it is available, it immediately sells out. Like, well, uh, it's such a, a commonly used thing. I was like, there's no way that it'll ever stop being made, but I guess I was just a stupid idiot, like always. How dare. And, uh, yeah. How but dare. then 
our good buddy Matt Burkett apparently found a source on like Granger. It's for some pretty similar stuff. Good. Or maybe it was maybe it was Fastenal. But um, well, I know. To say, I'm gonna be ordering some of that. So. Well, I, I know if AJ can find a good solid source for it, he'll restock it. He's he's good about that. Yeah. But uh, so oh, and uh, I, I guess I'll go ahead and mention one of the last things since we mentioned the collector's edition of Ghostbusters. There, um, the Mercury sniffer and the Bacharach, um, voltmeter mm-hmm. that shows up all over the place in Ghostbusters. I did get those. Yes. I yeah, uh, so. I wanted to get that volt meter, but when I hit eBay, like all the good ones have been bought up, and I was like, "Well, it's what I get for being an hour and a half late to the thread." <laughs> I was really happy. Um, mine still works and has its original leads, so that oh, it nice. has the screen accurate leads with it. So I'm just like, I'm really excited about that. Um, That's cool. I did. I ended up. I just bought a, a sniffer. Like randomly, I was. I wasn't even searching for like that backer rack item or yeah. I was searching I, every once in a while I'll hit up eBay because I lost the, the little, uh, the wand or whatever it's called mm-hmm. to my, my GB one sniffer. Yeah. And so I always hit eBay, you know, periodically to check maybe one will pop up. And one of the, uh, the sniffer that's in the back of the afterlife Ecto one, there was one that was like buy it now for like $40. Oh, wow. And it had everything with it. And I was like, well, I'm not passing that up. <laughs> so oh, I don't I blame it. you. Great score. Well, yeah, awesome. And it came in and it's super cool. And it's got a wand with it and it fits on my sniffer. It's not screen accurate, but I mean, it's a placeholder. So there you go. Yeah, I, that is one of the props that um, I still kick myself in the butt. I sat on way too long when sniffer like 302s were fairly abundant. And now I can't find any of the sniffer 300 series at all. Yeah, I mean, I got mine from Jairus when Jairus found all those in a lot or whatever on eBay. Yeah. And uh, I think I got a couple of them from him. And um, A couple, you say? I don't have the other one, but yeah. I actually might I actually might be able to get one from somebody else for you. So, Well, we'll, we'll have to talk about that. We'll, we'll talk the off the air, yeah. <laughs> As everybody, again, starts private messaging us for, we're going to get that, we're going to get that. <laughs> Oh. Not from me. <laughs> Not from me. Sorry. <laughs> don't worry, guys. I can't even get the accurate set of frames off of Austin over here. So, so don't try. Hey, here's the thing. If you'd have never said anything, and and if you'd have never told me that they were like super rare, super accurate to GB one, like I might have eventually sold them to you. But now it's like, no, <laughs> these are mine, baby. Well, and I just want to. I just I just want to hang on to them to torture you more than anything. That's point. okay. That's all right. With AJ's new uh, frame replicas coming out, I won't need them. I'll oh, have, those things are so beautiful. And you can wear them without worrying about dropping them and having them shatter into pieces. Yeah, which is which is a... Yeah, you know, I have a set of real goggle frames that I, I, I will convert, but yeah. it's going to be shelf decoration. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about those... Uh, alpha models and earlier of the mm-hmm. the pvs fives but they are fragile well let's uh let's get into it man let's let's do our session two on uh ghostbusters one proton packs listen you smell something there's something very important i forgot to tell you what i collect spores molds and fungus why <laughs>
and welcome back to the Black Firehouse podcast. As always, your hosts, Dan Harshman and Austin Young, we're going to go ahead and leap into part two of the uh, Proton Pack discussion, Proton Packs from Ghostbusters 1. Of course, guys, you can always follow along um, with the discussion over at Spengler's 1984 Workbench on Facebook.com. You can always give Black Firehouse Podcast a like on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or of course, listen to us on our RSS feed at rss.com, Spotify, or on iTunes. So, Austin, last time, when we spoke about proton packs, we really delved into a lot of the the baseline information, you know, and and spoke a lot about the superhero proton pack, yeah. um, which is you know my my personal favorite. And I you know I don't know if it's because it's just a little bit different than all the other ones, um, or if it's like the granddaddy to all the proton packs. But what about you? Which one, when it comes to the the four heroes, is is your favorite? Um, I kind of have two. Okay. I, I really like the stance pack. Um, sure. Just because Ray's kind of always been my favorite. Um, and, you know, it's got a couple of unique things about it, like the, you know, the different resistors on it. And, mm-hmm. uh, that really wonky, uh, horribly offset cyclotron lens hole and, you know, mm-hmm. just some stuff like that. Um, and then I really like the Spangler for the same reasons. It's got a lot of unique um quirks and stuff about it you know like the the uh vertical or excuse me horizontal uh bar that's uh welded to the booster tube and the ion arm and yeah the the weld shank is completely different on the spangler yeah um and it's kind of interesting they sort of sort of tried to replicate it on the phoebe pack it it seems like on the phoebe pack it looked like they kind of tried to replicate both yeah, instead of having like the chunk of round stock wedged in between the two and welded, um, it's a it's it's honestly it's the the entire void between the the ion arm and the booster tube is actually filled, mm-hmm. and then it's got this angled. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it's a part of the the piece that's filling the void or if it's a separate plate that's laid on top, but. It's like a it's like an angled flat plate that's welded on, and then it's got that kind of smaller, narrower uh, horizontal piece welded on top of that. Which always strikes me as interesting because there's a lot on the Ghostbusters Afterlife proton packs that they are clearly getting from the superhero. Yeah. But then there's these little elements like that welded shank that are from the actual Spangler hero. So somebody at some point was paying attention to what actually he was the Spangler hero pack. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I don't because those welds are also on the packs that the guys wear the the original uh mm-hmm. supposed to be the original packs, you know, from the Venkman and the Zetamore and the Stance. So they're also present on that. So it's yeah, it's just a really weird detail that carried over from the Spangler pack specifically onto the Afterlife pack, but it it, it is no longer a unique detail to the Spangler pack in afterlife. Right. Um, it's just really strange, but you know, do you feel that afterlife erased some of the uniqueness of the proton packs? Not intentionally, not intentionally, uh, not intentionally. I mean, and, and they, you know, the, the, 
the the four packs that are in the film, you know, the Phoebe or the Spangler, the Venkman, the Stance, the Zetamore, they're all they all have their own unique weathering and things like mm-hmm. that. Obviously the Phoebe has all the additional add-ons and stuff, but um you know, they they went out of their way to make sure that they each one was unique in terms of the weathering and and not just in terms of like the silver scratches or or paint missing, but like the the bumpers have gouges and and gashes put mm-hmm. into them and they're unique on every one of them including you know the phoebe's got its own uh gouges and stuff in it and it's got scratches and in, in the cyclotron and all that stuff um so in terms of having kind of a unique fingerprint for each character it's still there it's just different you know sure. it's not it's not the same uh I you know I don't know if we're supposed to believe these are the same four packs that they wore, you know, way back when or whatever. But I I like to think that they're newer packs that at some point have just gotten beat up, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, we're we're definitely going to have to do an episode on Afterlife Proton packs because there are so many changes. Yeah. Um, from one to the other. Um, but going back to Ghostbusters one Proton packs, uh, you know, we know that they were just a a standard you know, um, resin cast. I, I think one of the coolest things that ended up getting drawn over into the video game was a problem with the stance pack and the light leaks on the power cell yeah. box. Um, because it was just fiberglass, there was no resin gel coat. And even mm-hmm. though they painted them at some point, the paint got scratched off on that part of the pack. Yeah. And while you can't tell when the pack is off, when the bar graph is going, that light bleeds through and makes it look like there's two additional lights over on it. Uh, are there, are there other kinds of like mistakes or gaffes on, on the proton packs that make them unique that, that you particularly appreciate? I mean, you know, stuff like epoxy <laughs> sloppily applied and, you know, <laughs> uh, the, like on the superhero, I guess initially, like you know, the 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 bumper being backwards, but the label is still placed in that little valley, you know, mm-hmm. like just having to like shove it in there just so it fits. It's like why wouldn't you just take it off and flip the bumper around? But you know, like, <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, those things. Obviously, that's stuff that nobody was supposed to see or know about or or care no. about. But like, I like that stuff because it does add to the unique uh you know profile of each one like each one's got its own weird shitty (laughs) applied parts or stickers or whatever um Mm -hmm. you know i don't know you really call it a mistake but like the the way the ribbon cables you know a couple of them are twisted around the opposite direction and whether that's from disassembly and reassembly and somebody just put it on backwards you know who knows but not paying attention when they were putting yeah I think it comes down to our our favorite aspect of the packs, which is the notorious word "wonk" that you hear thrown around so often in these discussions. That it it's the wonk that makes them so unique. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I can't remember if we talked about this in the last episode or if it was one of the many <laughs> recordings that we've attempted since then. But um, you know how nothing on it is really symmetrical in terms of like, you know, like the fins, none of the fins are perfectly symmetrical. You've got a couple of crooked fins. You've got, you know, Mm -hmm. the little 
uh, square segments on the very bottom of the, the crank generator, you know, those to me, it's always looked like one solid strip that they've glued down and then they've just taken a, a file and filed the notches in to make it look like mm-hmm. separate segments. But, you know, they're really wide on the ends and there's one really skinny one, you know, on the, on the left and, you know, <laughs> and those things, again, we know the reason is because they were just rushed and, you know, they just had to get it done when they had to get it done. But to me, they, it, it sells it as, you know, these guys built these things in a, in a workshop, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe they're not trying to get, exactly precise you know as far as the external components are concerned because they're not really important you know they're 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 cosmetic right it's the it's the function of the pack that matters you know and yeah i mean that's something that's so great about these props in particular is the just the uniqueness of each one, you know, they're, they are the same, but different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how about where these packs now reside? Uh, we know of course that the superhero and the Bankman hero are still in possession of Sony. We yeah. know that the Spangler hero is in, um, goodness. What's his name? Dan, Dan Lanigan. Dan Lanigan, thank you. Dan Lanigan's private collection, which is one of the probably one of the best prop private prop collections ever. I mean, he's got gosh, he's got everything. I he's got the Hero Blade Runner blaster. Yeah, I was going to say he owns my two favorite props of all time, so like <laughs> Yeah, I, could, I mean I could go visit his collection, see a Spangler pack and Deckard's, you know, PKD blaster. And then I could die happy right there. I, but he also has a PKE meter. He has yes. um, one of the hero ghost traps. He has the alien queen maquette. Um, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he has a pulse rifle. I mean, the dude's collection is incredible. Um, yeah. And then uh, the, the stance hero, which was funny. Um, the stance hero, I remember, showed up in photos uh in in maybe the the late 2000s i want to say maybe between 2009 2010 of this guy in england wearing a rothko jumpsuit (laughs) wearing the stance hero proton pack not a replica the actual pack to a convention i remember when those pictures first came out like i i remember i just saw the pictures first I was thinking, man, that is a really good looking replica. Like that's one of the best ones I've ever seen. And then I start reading, and it's like, oh, it's the, it's the stance pack. Like it's, I think at the time they were referring to it as the courtroom pack because it had been screen matched to the courtroom too. scene. Sure. Um, but and I guess as further research went on, it was confirmed that it is the stance hero pack. Uh, I and and we have like almost no information how that proton pack got over there. Yeah, I mean, I would love to know the story of, and maybe it's some kind of like underground black market thing, and nobody's supposed to know how it got maybe. there. Like, I don't know, but you know, just how does one come into possession of one of those in the first place if it's not through, you know, an auction house or something mm-hmm. like? I, I can't, you know, Sony. I'm sure is not just willingly giving them up unless it is for an auction, you know. 
unless it had something to do with the off sale of Planet Hollywood props, you know, items that didn't get returned to Sony. But as far as I know, that that was never displayed anywhere. That doesn't necessarily mean maybe they didn't have it in possession to be displayed and it just never got displayed. That's true. Yeah, uh, and but... the other the other one, the, the final hero prop that is currently missing in action, that's going to be the Zedmore hero. That would be the Omnipack. Yeah. Um, and we have photos of, of course, screen captures of Ernie Hudson wearing the pack. And then, of course, the, the Omni cover. Um, but then we also have two photos of Ernie Hudson donning that pack again in full costume for the premiere in 1984. Yeah. Um, so we know up until the premiere that it was in Sony possession. And, uh, you know, it was during our first attempt at the round table <laughs> that, yeah. that it was uh, postulated. What if it exists in that salt mine, you know, that yeah. they went back and got all the, the ghostbusters dailies and, and lost footage from, and, uh, it, it just tickles me to think that there's a salt mine that has, maybe it has all the answers to all of our questions. <laughs> right. Like, you know, the, my, the only hole in that theory for me is, it's like, okay, they went down that salt mine to retrieve all these dailies and stuff. And there was a proton pack down there. Like, why didn't they bring it back? <laughs> maybe they didn't even know it was there. Um, yeah. I mean, it could, it could have been in a crate and they just didn't crack it open. Who knows? I, I, I mean, um, I think it was Matt on a tour to, to Sony archives. They found a slime blower in a crate and they didn't realize what it was. Yeah. Like I mean, these are not things that are, uh, revered or re- revered, <laughs> revered in the <laughs> revered. same way, uh, by the studios that they are by us. I mean, they're, they're finally starting to catch on, uh, with yeah. collecting the past few, you know, years as this exploded as, you know, it's being traded almost like fine art now. Yeah, which makes me happy because, you know, finally some of the stuff that, you know, at least the stuff that hasn't been lost to time and, and the yeah. elements or whatever, you know, can be appreciated and can, and can be at least cared for a little better than, you know, the studios usually tend to. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and kind of sidetracking for a second in terms of like like the Ecto-1 and the Ecto-1A, mm-hmm. you know. We know that, yeah, Ecto-1 kind of got like a half-assed restoration, but at least it got some attention. Um, you know, we, they intended to restore Ecto-1A, and it just didn't happen, but it, it was it was nice that it kind of found new life as an afterlife Ecto. I still um, hold out hope that one day it might be restored. Um, you know, Water Cooler Talk says that the Ecto-1A roof rack and equipment is someplace else now. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I can neither confirm or deny any of that information. Um, but there are, there's some great 1A replicas that are in the works, so I'm excited about that. But yeah. as far as the proton packs go, you know, those those are where the heroes now reside. And um, still would love, you know, if there's anybody out there that knows where Zedmore Hero is or the Omni Pack. Um, which is, of course, the same pack. There, there's a number of details on that one in the stance pack that I know a lot of fans are still begging to be answered. And uh, namely, it has to do with uh, side knobs on that wand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all the heroes <laughs> that we have had viable access to, um, there's these offset side knobs on the left-hand side of the wand. And... We know from the semi-hero castings that at least one wand had knurling 
on those knobs. Mm -hmm. And every other pack has smooth. But then yeah. all the photos that we have show smooth side knobs. So there's still one thrower that we don't actually know what the side knobs were. And it could be the stance or it could be that Zedmore. Or, I mean, and it's always entirely possible that for some reason after the mold was made, they removed the knobs and replaced them for some reason. Yeah. Um, you know, that's always a possibility. Like something, uh, a really unique detail of the original stunt. Oh, excuse me. Not the original stunts. Uh, the, the Ghostbusters two stunt packs, the mm -hmm. ones specifically for whatever reason, they don't have the regular clippered knob. No, they've, it's been replaced with a skirt, some kind of skirted knob, like the skirt, it's just been glued on top of the clippered valve. I have no, like, what what was the purpose of that? You know, what wand was used to mold for those? You would assume it was the same as the semi, whatever was molded for the semi-hero. But clearly the semi-heroes, you know, utilize real clippered valves. Um, maybe they made the mold for the semi-hero and then they went to make the mold for the stunt after that using the same wand and they swapped some parts out. You know, maybe the, the knurling wouldn't have... Uh, it would have caught too many air bubbles or something in the foam. Like, you know, who knows? Well, then you, you want to talk about stunts. You know, Ghostbusters one stunt proton packs. Their, their entire ion arm is reversed. Yeah. Actually, you know, the that clippered valve thing may be on the, the GB1 stunts as well. I don't recall. I, I know there's a couple of examples of GB1 stunt foam wands out there, but I don't remember what, if the clippered valves were still intact on them or not. Well, I know one was recently on display in L.A. Um, for, okay. for like a Ghostbusters prop extravaganza. And Sean Bishop's Ecto was kind of the main uh, yeah. attraction of that display. But he also uh, allowed his Ghostbusters 1 stunt pack, which still has its original ribbon cable on there. That was that was on display? It was on display recently. I have... I have not seen a single photo of that. So I've I've uh, seen a few photos of it. It's a very strange display because uh, it not only it has it has the original Ghostbusters stunt pack, and then it has some afterlife props. And I, yeah, I've, I've seen the afterlife stuff. Yeah, I, and I want to say uh, the PKE meter that was on display at this particular show is the one that looks like it's been put back together. Yeah, which. That's a whole other episode. That's a whole other episode. Um, <laughs> but then the display, the whole museum display got weird because there's a lot of Mattel stuff. And Yeah, I like, remember seeing the, the, the display case. It's got like toys and Mattel stuff and then some replica stuff. And then there's but there's, then there's like a few little screen use pieces scattered in there. But like but not like high end replica stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a little confusing. Um it's. But, I mean, it's. It, I mean, it's like straight out of the Planet Hollywood playbook, right? It like, really was. You mix screen used with some kind of okay replica stuff, and and then call it all screen used. And the general public just <laughs> doesn't know any better. Well, no, of course. I mean, the general public also doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. They're like, They're oh, like cool. oh, cool, Ghostbusters, yay, proton packs. Uh, so, talking about some of the other uniqueness, uh, you know, you had mentioned the Spangler one. Um, or the Spangler Hero, um, I guess, you know, other unique things is uh, on the ion arm cap. The, mm -hmm. the lower rod is a little bit longer. It doesn't have knurling. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, those kinds of things. What are other unique aspects of the proton packs? Or, or is it really the biggest outliers are the superhero and the Spangler? I would say probably, yeah. I mean, those seem to be the ones that have the most differences from each other, from the other packs. Like the uh, the Spangler's got that one random screw, like socket cap screw, like over by the ribbon cable, mm-hmm. you know. I, what is that for? Is that holding something internally, like electronics or, or you know? Right. Who knows? Um, and it, it becomes yeah. a, it just, it bogs, because one of the things I love about the props is how much we can learn and getting to obtain that knowledge and getting to, to do that research and see how they put these together. And we ended up with, so much after the fact information on the superhero that how it looked in 83 becomes the big question. But then on something like the Spengler pack or the, the bankman, we have so much information from then that we're not entirely sure why it's constructed the way it is now. And it's like, can you give us, give us an hour and an Allen head, you know, Mm -hmm. set and let us just take this apart take a look at it and we'll put it back together. Man, I wish that would be the dream. Like uh, part of me is like, Oh, I would never want to take it apart. But then part of me is like, well, yeah, I mean, why not? You know? So there, there's a good question. How do you feel about the most recent semi restoration on the superhero pack? It's I'm torn on it. I'm torn on it. I'm torn on it too because it's like you know. Well, they re- chose they chose no two better people to do it. Yeah. Um. You know, if if we were to trust a project like that to anyone, I think uh, the two people that did it. I'm not going to name drop in this instance, yeah. but uh, the two people that did it were more than qualified and and yeah, absolutely. Everything that they would have done would have been from a place of love. Um, and 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 very careful very know, careful with with the disassembly and the reassembly um which i'm grateful for uh and you know it's because of that that we now i if i remember correctly i could be wrong on this but like it's now it's now the reason why we're we're having access to the legacy shells for max factory and that and is Novos. my understanding yeah um and you know, for replica builders, and especially the extremely detail oriented and, and accuracy buffs like us, like mm-hmm. having that direct lineage is incredible. Oh, it's a dream come true. But you know, having to disassemble a screen used hero proton pack to get there is uh, yeah, I'm torn on it because it's like, yeah, you're you're having to drill out rivets that have been there since, you know, 1983 or 84. You can't replace those. That rivet's gone, you know? Yeah. Um, I, and, I, and other things, you know, that had to they, be done. Yeah. To did it. they erase any of the clues? Yeah. But and that's the thing is like now if it's ever photographed again, it's like, uh, what's what is a new discovery or, or what's just something that's been altered since that restoration, you know? Sure. Well, I would, I would have full faith that, you know, even if it's not documentation that's privy to everybody that those restorers would have, um, incessantly documented how that pack looked 
before oh, they did their semi restoration on it. With yeah, without a doubt. Um, um, and I would love for that to be something that should be something that should be released as a book as well. That would be something that I would buy. You know, a um, a oh, nice God, coffee yeah. table book of that project. Yeah, that would Sony. If you're listening, they're <laughs> so not somebody. Somebody that works for Sony. Somebody yeah, has contact with Sony. Anyone? Let's get, let's get on that. We're making a lot of demands this episode. We're getting needy. Yeah. <laughs> We're That's getting okay. needy. Hey, this is uh, this may never even air. So, as <laughs> we want when we re-record it again in a day or two. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's. Uh, I'm torn on it, but like ultimately, it, it happened, and there's nothing we can do about it at this point. So, uh, I guess I'm grateful for what it is the opportunities it's it's presented for the rest of us um to be able to get access to like a, a lineage shell and things like that um, absolutely you know maybe one day it'll all get declassified and any information or discoveries that were that were made during that uh, deconstruction and restoration can mm-hmm. be could be made public but until then i guess you know we're still gonna have to play archaeologist and and try and reverse engineer it ourselves Hey, I, I mean, at least that's half the fun. Oh, yeah. It, it's so much fun. So if you could have one mystery, if you could have one photo of any of the proton packs um, from 1983 during the production, which pack would it be and why? Oh, man. Like, just just a general reference photo of a specific get, pack? Yep, you or... get one photo... Okay. It could be any angle. It could be any pack. It could be of any mystery. You get you get one shot at solving a mystery that has plagued you. It would be the stance pack, mm-hmm. front facing view, but the wand is on the ground mm-hmm. with the left side facing camera. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. but at a at a slight angle where you could see those side knobs. <laughs> uh, but mine... and and hold on, let me. I also have to oh. say that the <laughs> wand the wand also has to be far enough forward that it doesn't impede the view of the cyclotron and the in filter and all that stuff. You know, you mentioned the cyclotron. There's a detail on the hero packs that's not on the superhero that we haven't talked about, which is the dominoes. Yeah, the little little dots. They're uh, are, some of them are threaded, aren't they? They're threaded. Yeah, these little white threaded dots. I cannot, for the life of me, the the best guess that I've heard is that it was used to orient the bumper when they were drilling them on. I've heard that, but to me, it doesn't really make a lot of sense because they clearly didn't care that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the superhero, the bumper is relatively oriented, but then is bent up. <laughs> i see our is it because i was pretty sure it's like pretty crooked like it's 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 high like if you're looking at the pack it's it's higher on the left side than it is the right side well the arm is higher but the rest of the bumper is still pretty well where it's supposed to be okay yeah. and so you 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 know if you're looking at the the you know front face of the pack mm-hmm. um the the left side of the bumper seems to be pretty flush and level and you get to the the bumper knob the bellows and that looks to be in a great spot and then you start to get to the right side arm and then it's it bends up okay. <laughs> and is 
It's just doing whatever the hell it wants. Um, yeah. And to me, like, and we have some evidence of this, like, with the booster frames. Uh, like, some of this stuff, I wonder if it wasn't, like, straight out of the mold and, like, right onto the pack. Oh, like uh, because, it was still soft, it was still curing? It, like, it might have still been a little soft, yeah. Because, like, you know, I mean, and I know, you know, resin can deform, you know, over time. But, like, as squished down as some of those booster frames are from the from tightening down of the... They almost look uh, like that the the main part of the booster frame was made out of Eva foam. Yeah, like uh, to me that just screams like they just pulled it out of the mold. Okay, it's still a little soft, but we can't we don't have time for for this shit. We're just going to drill a hole in it and <laughs> well, slap it on there, you know. Well, well, even looking at the Omni cover, that proton pack still looks wet. Oh yeah. I mean, that doesn't even look like a high gloss paint. That just that pack just looks wet. <laughs> yeah, and I can't remember if it was ever decided and it, it may all still just be speculation, but like that pack, it looks like it was repainted and then photographed for the Omni cover, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's not, it wasn't like freshly painted and they shoved it in front of a white, a uh, red background to take a picture for the thing and then went on to film, you know? Yeah. Well, it, and, and so that's where it's interesting. So if we go on the continued, best guess that the Omni pack is the Zedmore hero. We know that it got a little bit of weathering in the movie, but we know that during production, those magazines weren't made yet. Because yeah, yeah, that's true. Because if you know, when you look at the pictures of Ernie at the premiere, it's, it's very clearly a, a fresh paint job. So yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, they must've wrapped up principal photography, looked at that pack and they're like, Hey, let's repaint this. <laughs> and, just... and, and it, I also, I'm also curious, like how much of it was disassembled and how much of it was just taped over so that they didn't get paint on oh, shit. Gosh. You know, like yeah. did they just tape off the warning labels? I mean, obviously the warning labels they probably did. I can't see them removing those, but like, well, we don't know. have any good reference to see where there is paint bleed to to yeah. back. God, I you know, it's one of those packs. Is like I. I one of our guests for the round table is going to be, you know, Matthew Burkett. And we're also going to have Mikhail Lynn on the round table, which I'm really, mm -hmm. really excited about. Um, and one of the packs that Matt built is the Omni pack. Yeah. Um, and so we'll try and have to remember to talk to him on how he, how he addressed that, that paint job. You know, did he go for the super high gloss looking like perpetually wet paint or, or what he did there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I remember way back in the day, there was speculation that maybe Ernie Hudson had a proton pack because, you know, it was one of those, like I heard through the grapevine, somebody asked him at a convention or whatever. And he said, right. yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's got a pack from the original movie. Um, you know, that'd be a weird thing for him to have. Yeah. I mean, we know he had some jumpsuits. Well, jumpsuits are but... one thing. Yeah, a whole hero pack is, you know, if if Dan Aykroyd didn't get to keep a proton pack, which you know he probably wanted to. He probably well, I know he tried to keep the car. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's also the very real possibility that it's just gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Maybe it got destroyed or or damaged and they threw it away, like, you know, who knows. Yeah. I hate to think of that, you know, but well, we already lost one pack to the to you know the trash bin which is just the most unfortunate of stories 
which Wait, was which one? That was uh, one of the semi-hero packs that uh, Sean Bishop and Ken Hubel. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, Um, heartbreaking Uh. story in which when Ken moved overseas, uh, the pack did not make it, and they told him it was lost. But he still found parts of it in the dumpster near the airport or on the airport premise. That's the worst. Absolutely the worst, with no explanation. That, That was the Vankman, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the Vankman semi-hero. But thank God for them. They they documented it pretty well and good. Exactly what I was just about to say is like, Mm -hmm. yeah, thank God they they took it apart and they took pictures of the inside and all that. Like, yeah, you know, Uh, well, I mean, you know, Ken Hugel and and Sean Bishop, those are names that you're going to hear a lot on this podcast because they're 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 true godfathers of the hobby, much like uh, Norm Gagnon. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they were there when people were really starting to get serious about it. And, uh, yeah. gosh, I, what a, what a heartbreak though. Um, I mean, and cause he didn't, if I remember right, it was, it was up for sale, like on an eBay auction or something, something like he, that. Yeah. And he won it. And I don't think he really had it that long. No, <laughs> uh, but that's, we can save, we can save that for with the GB2 t- discussion. The Ghostbusters 2 talk. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about ribbon cable really quick. Let's talk about ribbon cables. Because this is something that I, I I keep meaning to bring up every time we record this episode, and I never do, so I'm doing it now. <laughs> um, the ribbon cable of the first the Ghostbusters 1 Proton Packs, are, are it's kind of like the, it's the one thing nobody's found. You right. Know? Um, like you said, Sean Bishop has a stunt pack that still has an original ribbon cable attached to it, mm-hmm. which as far as I know, that's the only surviving example. Correct. Um, I would just, I, I want to know what it's out of. It, it had, it's not custom made. It's, it's, it's some kind of existing thing, right? It's an existing thing that they found. It is absolutely an existing thing that they found. I remember the, the conventional theory behind it was that it was out of an aircraft and yeah, that it was some kind sense. of cabling that would run along the floor panels, which, yeah, yeah. would make sense from its design. Um, but we now know that there was a lot of components that seemed to have been pulled out of Burroughs adding machines. Interesting. Um, there's there's some photos of, you know, they're, they're large scale. They were used by like IRS auditors, tax mm-hmm. people, stuff like that, you know, big league accountants. Um, they had these massive burrows adding machines that all had lights on them that are the hat lights. Okay. And then some people found photos of the inside of the machines, and there's pieces and parts in there that look very similar to the ribbon Mm. cable. Um, And even parts in there that look very similar to the HGA. Um, Huh. Yeah. yeah, I I do remember the 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 HGA stuff, which which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that that could be one of those situations, kind of like that radar piece that, you know, maybe it wasn't the actual found item, but it was it was definitely the, the inspiration. inspiration for. Yeah, the the HGA is definitely not a found item. Looking at the construction, yeah. I mean, it is very it's hollow. Um. Mm-hmm. The the bolts that that run through it, the Allen cap bolts actually run all the way through and into the shell. 
Really? Yeah, all four of them run. I did not know that. Yeah, um, you know that's that's something that's been described to me. It's uh, you know when okay. I get uh, a aluminum HGA from like GhostbusterFans.com or or Freaky Geeky. Uh, they have simplified the process in which there is a a bridge welded on the back end, so you just use one Allen head bolt to actually yeah. mount it. But on the screen used ones, at least on the superhero, it, it could have very well changed for any of the hero packs. But at least on the superhero, those four Allen bolts that are on the outside of it are actually the mounting bolts and run all the way through the HGA and into the shell. I'm probably wrong, but I would almost guarantee. <laughs> that that is not the case for the other four because that seems like it would be such a pain in the ass to oh, get those drilled and not hit the internal wall of the you know the 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 pipe the tubing yeah yeah you know um i can imagine that's one of those things where it's like okay we did it this way here's how we're doing it on the rest of them <laughs> and that's an entire possibility because we know that there were functional design changes on how those packs were assembled from the from the sh to the heroes yeah i know some of the semi-heroes are they're just epoxied on are they are they is there any evidence of them being epoxied on the heroes i don't remember uh not no not that i can recall they are they all seem to be bolted on all mechanically fastened well like i know for afterlife they they added a little mounting plate to the shell itself like a little base that they can all like fit over. Um, I don't know. I, I would assume they're probably screwed on, but like at least it, it's like a little thing to, to make sure you get them in the right spot every time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't believe that there's anything like that on the original shells. Not, no, not that I can recall. I mean, I know they all have then... slightly different positions. Well, and then the the semi heroes again. Not to get too far away from Ghostbusters one, but it, but it's so hard to discuss one without discussing the other. Um, yeah. That a lot. Uh, some of the semi hero packs didn't even have labels on them. Yeah. Not on the HGA, and and that was during filming. You know, when I yeah. saw Ken Hugel's semi hero pack before it was lost, I was like, oh, well, I guess the HGA label fell off. And then I was rewatching Ghostbusters two, and nope. It just wasn't yeah, there. Just wasn't there. <laughs> it just wasn't whether, there. Whether it's a you know an oversight or they just didn't have one or what you know. But the the metallic label from from the actual pack was there, so the ring mm-hmm. for the label is there. It's cast into the HGA for yeah for the semi hero. See, that's something that I've always been curious about, but I've never done any research on myself. Hmm. We know that I, I can assume that they probably replicated the labels for the semi heroes, like they they're just copies of the originals. Yeah. Um, but were any of the hero labels replaced with the copies for Ghostbusters Two? Well, that's a good question. Um, because I, you know, I remember when it was kind of discovered that some of them were metallic, mm-hmm. and I remember like staring at you know pictures of like the Vakeman era. I'm like, I don't see any evidence that this thing is metallic. You know, like the the gearbox label it just looks like white text to me like i i don't see aluminum there but it's got dust and dirt and all kinds of stuff on it you mm-hmm. know and i've never seen it in person and these are people that are seeing it in person you know while it was on display at planet hollywood so well and the vankman hero was the one that everyone pretty much accepts was cast for 
the the Ghostbusters to semi heroes. Yeah, because I think all the welds and everything like match up perfectly. All the welds match up, and then there's even evidence of the molding clay still existing on the hero. Yeah, as it is right now. Um, wands, however, we we don't have that information. But it would be interesting. I know uh, there's a lot of labels missing off of the superhero, but I think most of those labels just weren't there. Because the superhero is the one that is responsible for everybody thinking there was a blue EDA label in one shot in the original, correct? Uh, we thought that, and that was based off of the the scene in Ghostbusters when they they just pulled up to fifty five zero Central Park West. They're pulling the packs out, mm-hmm. and you know one of the labels it's translating as blue. Now yeah. we understand that <laughs> the label's not blue; it's just gone <laughs> well and it's not even that it's just gone right like because can't you see there's still a label there like you can see like the corner peeled up or something but it's that yeah. topmost layer is gone. was just rip, ripped off right um, um so i thought that might have been the superhero in that rack but when i went back and broke down that scene it doesn't match the uh the uh the booster tube doesn't protrude the correct way and the ion arm is set up in the conventional Ghostbusters one style. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. so at some point, the superhero label just is gone because it's it, missing currently, right? It is currently missing, and it was missing during the filming of Ghostbusters two. I don't think the superhero pack was ever in New York. Okay. And I think when they filmed that scene, that was that was part of the New York shoot. I know that they re did a lot of the outside of the building um, on a soundstage for the earthquake effects and, and things like that. But yeah, I but don't I think... think the superhero pack was ever in New York City. Yeah, because that shot of the, the rack being pulled out of the back of the Ecto is facing the crowd. And Central uh, Park. Out yeah. of Central Park. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that wouldn't have been the set. So that's interesting. Well, and like the superhero label, it's missing now. And there's just like, isn't there just a gray primer spot? Um, It, it looks like it's a raw aluminum base. Okay. Um, it, But it also could be a gray primer spot. There's, uh, there's kind of a crack in it um, where it almost looks like there, there's like a black crack in it, but it's not a crack in the actual fiberglass it's a crack that looks like from the label being peeled off um so i'm not sure if it's just translating as black because now we're looking at exposed you know um fiberglass Mm -hmm. and that because there's no light in there it just shows up as black um but that could be exposed primer you're you're definitely right about that because it doesn't seem to have any width or height to it it just seems to kind of be there um, but then, you know, looking at the, the pack and I'm not sure which pack it is. I mean, it would have to be very likely the Zedmore pack that's being pulled out that we thought had the blue label. Yeah. Cause all the hero packs that we know now have that top label, unless like you had said that some of them were replaced. Um, but I'm not even sure if they were because you look at the superhero in Ghostbusters 2, they didn't replace shit on that pack. Yeah. I'm pulling up a picture of it right now. Um, yeah, it's really hard to tell if it's... 
if it's just I don't yeah I don't know dude I think it I think it might just be yeah the aluminum layer because there's there's all kinds of scratches and stuff on the surface of it mm-hmm. but none of those scratches carry over into the black portion of the pack they're all yeah isolated within that 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 gray area so yeah, I guess it's just the aluminum layer it could be, but like you said, if there's no light under there, it's not going to translate as as yeah. being semi-translucent. I mean, you look at the Stance Hero and the parts where the paint had scratched off still communicates as black on screen. It doesn't translate as exposed fiberglass. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Another one of those mysteries that may never be solved. I you mean, know, like... We don't, we don't see that EDA... Fifty percent of this podcast is uh, everyone thinking, "Oh man, these guys know what they talk about." But the, the fact of the matter is, we don't fucking know anything about these packs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's what we're doing. We're opening up the discussion. Exactly, you know? exactly. But no, like that that EDA label, we don't ever see it on the Omni pack, and we don't see it in the the photos of Ernie Hudson out front no. of the theater. So, I mean, it's entirely possible that, that thing never had the label replaced. You're right, like. And that may be why they chose it to be the Omni Pack because they're oh, we're going to repaint it anyway, so it's already mm-hmm. missing a label. Yeah, it, it's the the labels are are strange, and then of course what they use as the labels because I think there's some differences in between. I know the the superhero, and that's another thing I need to modify. You know, in in my excitement, I put the the little red circuit diagram on the wand, and it's not there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely not there, and it's not even something where they painted over it, because those dry rubs that they used communicated in the molds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the point where if you look at a semi-hero packs end filter, you can actually see in the mold those dry rub transfers. So if you were to paint over it, there would still be evidence, but it's not there. It's not yeah. there in Ghostbusters Two. It's not there in how the pack is now. So I'm, you know, that's something that I need to very gently sand off and repaint on that thrower. Um, a waste of a good dry rub. It really is, because those can sometimes be a little hard to, to find. Yeah, um, you just got to look into it when somebody happens to be doing a run of them, which up until Max Factory seemed to be very few and far between. It, it definitely could be. I don't so, think AJ's had him in stock since like 2017. I mean, he's so busy doing all these other awesome projects, you know, trap knobs, injected molded trap knobs, and, um, you know, Alice frame replicas and goggle replicas. Exactly. Um, so, one of the things I would like to do for a roundtable, because we're, we're having to re record that roundtable, is I would like to open it up to our listeners to submit questions. Yeah, that would be cool. Because um, some of the things that we we touched upon in this re-record, we drew out of the roundtable. I'm not even going to lie. Um, I yeah. can hear <laughs> Mikhail and Matt in my head being like, but I talked about that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so one of the things I would love is um, we're going to try and re-record the roundtable discussion again this weekend with Mikhail and Matt. We're going to check into their schedules. Um, and we are going to open it up for questions from our community. So... You can, of course, you know, find us on Spangler's 1984 Workbench, or if you want to post questions directly to this episode when we post it um, up, it will be going up midnight tonight for the Tuesday release, so we're going to get back onto our schedule. I know we missed a week, but we are 
we are going to get back to it. Um, but I would love to see user questions, things that they want to know about the Proton Packs, um, you know, things that they may not know about the Proton Packs, conceptions that they might have about it that we would love to, you know, either confirm or deny or, you know, anything like that. Obviously, we're not looking for questions like, well, how big were <laughs> the, the <laughs> um, you know, the hardware on the thrower or something like that. Um, but I think that would be really cool. Get a little bit more of our our target audience's interaction. What, what do you say, Austin? I'm all for it. Like, yeah. just don't ask, you know, flat black or, or satin. Because everybody knows it's satin. Everybody knows it's satin. Yeah. Exactly. Well, um, I think we've pressed our luck enough for this episode, Austin. We managed to get it uh, tonight in two separate recordings that will be easy to be put together. And this time... And that was on my end, so that was. congratulations to your internet tonight. Thank you. Yeah, I'm feeling very <laughs> proud that I was able to actually go an entire recording now without having my connection hiccuping and resetting the whole thing. And I'm not going to have to combine six or seven different recordings, <laughs> just two uh. this time. And thank God it all happened at breaks in the episode. Yes. Um, so, yeah, this is, you know... Part two of our three-part session on the Ghostbusters 1 Proton Packs. I'm having a lot of fun discussing it, and I'm finding that every time we've re-recorded it, I think our recordings get better. So I will say that, that I think this is probably the strongest recording. The first time we tried recording this episode, we, we, we kind of swayed a little bit. I think we were a little tired. So this time, I felt like we were definitely back on our A-game. How about you? Yeah, the last one, we, we went on some real tangents, <laughs> just kind of all over the place. Like, uh, yeah. Everywhere. It wasn't very wasn't very focused. I mean, it was still proton packs, but it was just kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> it was it was everywhere. And there's still stuff that we talked about in the previous recordings that we didn't talk about tonight. But hopefully, yep. we can remember to ring them up on the roundtable and just kind of, you know, this is by far not going to be the last time we ever talk about proton packs. Uh, so it's not. No, we've got two more movies worth of you know the original films and then you know we're gonna talk about those reboot packs at some point dude oh yeah yeah this is true this is true so we probably have a good amount of content as far as proton packs and of course we'll always be talking about proton packs because this is a ghostbusters prop podcast how can you not talk about proton packs i just think it's great we went like four episodes before we talked about it that was my <laughs> that was my favorite thing well we had to give them something to want to look forward to yeah, now that, now, after, after after the roundtable, nobody's going to care. Ever again. They're going to be like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, well, awesome. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? I will leave everybody with the final thought from the roundtable we recorded the other day, which is proton packs are cool. They are. And you should, you should build one. Absolutely. So, so get out there and build one. Absolutely. So this is, this is Dan Harshman and... Austin Young for the Black Firehouse podcast. Uh, please like us on Spotify. Check out our RSS feed. Episodes go live on Tuesdays and then on to our YouTube channel on Fridays following that release. Um, thank you again for listening and go out and build something. As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call.
Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and baby slow! Spring has gone bye-bye. For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.